glad you're joining us this morning, unless you're watching it in the afternoon or evening, in which event I'm still glad you're joining us. I'm really stoked about today. This is something I've been looking forward to for several weeks since we got this organized. I've done a lot of prep work, and I'm really excited that you get to meet a dear friend of mine and a pastor at our church, Stephen Trammell. I'm going to interview Pastor Trammell, and we're going to talk about some things that will directly change your life. I don't care who you are. I assure you, these things can directly change your life. And let me tell you what I mean when I say that. This can affect both your relationship with God, but it can also affect the joy that you have when you walk on this earth. I can't tell you how many people email me, especially during this time of crisis and problems. And they say, you know, I'm upset. I don't know what to do. I'm distressed. Uh, we've got a dear friend who lost her husband last week. In fact, I was at the, the funeral service that Pastor Stephen preached just a few days ago. And, and so many people are hurting in this world and trying to figure out how to do this thing called life. And the amazing thing is, you ready for this? God has told us the tools that he's giving us to make this life not just bearable, not just passable, but deeply joyful in spite of all the circumstances the world may throw at you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I hope you'll join me in welcoming Pastor Stephen Trammell. Pastor Stephen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mark. It is such a privilege to be able to spend some time with you, have some Mark time, <laughs> and uh, just to get to connect. And I so appreciate your investment in the work of the Lord and also the biblical literacy class that is transforming lives both here at Champion Force and around the world. So thank you for your friendship and your faithfulness. Well, I can honestly say over the last 20 plus years that I've taught the class, the 13 and a half since you've been at church have been incredible growth for us because of your support and your leadership as, as the executive pastor at the church. You and Pastor Brent Johnson, who's, who's running these cameras today, just such a joy to get to serve with you. Well, thank you. So here's what I want to do with you. Okay. I want to do a couple of things. I got three points. It's always me with three points. Number one, I want people to get to know you a little bit. So we're going to talk about that. Number two... I want to talk about real things that will help people transition through life with more joy, more excitement, more peace, more opportunities, more victory, all of the things that everybody should want. And then the third thing we're going to do is get real practical and talk about what they can do. Will you do that with me? I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's number go. one, background. Okay. Now, I know a good bit about your background because you preach all the time and 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 I've known you forever it seems and and you're very transparent and a lot of people who go to church with us will know your background as well but there are a couple of people who are watching this that don't just give us three to four minutes of what who you are I want you to start with your lovely wife and your okay. two incredible children tell us about okay. them and then, and then I'll ask you the next part. That'd be great. Well, uh, Tanya is my wife. She and I have been married coming up on 30 years <laughs> on January 5th. And we're very excited about that anniversary coming up. We met at Louisiana College. Uh, I was an observant student. She was a cheerleader. God <laughs> united our hearts. And we dated, got married. It's been 30 years of amazing journey with God and learning how to love and grow together. And then our two children are grown. Our daughter, Tori, is a first grade teacher at Earhart Elementary. She graduated from LSU, moved back to Houston, got her teaching degree, and then has been teaching, loves teaching first graders. Our son, Austin, is going into his senior year at Rice University. Football uh, player. Football. Uh, he'll, he'll be playing for the Rice Owls, a receiver, kickoff return, and punt return. He's got wheels. He's ready. He's so excited. And uh, we have the schedule in place. He'll be playing every Saturday starting the 1st of October. Lord willing, and COVID-related, we want to keep moving into that. So it's just been such a joy. And for Austin, he is engaged. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be officiating he and Katie's wedding on January 3rd. 
two days before Tanya and I celebrate our 30th anniversary. Well, congratulations. That's just fantastic. Now, you yourself grew up in Louisiana. That's right. And you grew up in a broken home. Yes. Uh, How old were you when your parents divorced? So I was seven. Uh, Before my parents divorced, we went to church together as a family. I have an older brother. My mother and dad uh, would take us to church. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and my dad worked for his father-in-law, my papaw, and through our family-owned business, he just had to endure a lot of stress and pressure, and, and he turned to alcohol. Mm-hmm. And through that experience, became a severe alcoholic, and my mother had to draw the line in the sand and had to divorce my dad to protect our home and family. And so uh, God used that pain in my life to really search uh, for a father who wouldn't let me down and And it really led me in my pursuit of God. So God used the trauma of my parents' divorce to lead me to come to know God. I love, I I, I frequently reference God as the ultimate in recycling. I love He is able to take the garbage in our lives and the garbage in this world and recreate and make something that is useful and, and profitable and even joyful. Right. And he did that in your life. He did. I love that. He he is the ultimate recycler. He he can take a mess and make a masterpiece. He can take something that is a tragedy in your life and make it triumphant. I just love how God always has the final say. Mm, I love that. All right. Now, I know that you gave, and, and we'll talk about this more in other terms later, but in essence, you gave yourself over to the Lord. You, you, you ask him to be your Lord, your Savior, your Master at an age of, I thought it was 10 or something like that. Well, it was actually one month before I turned 10. Okay. Uh, it was on March 28th, 1979, exactly one month before I turned 10 years of age. And it's when I came to understand God's love for me and that it was personal, not just that God loved the world, but that God loved Stephen and that God wanted me to be in relationship with him And he built the ultimate love bridge to me to make that happen so that I could be reconciled to God and come into relationship with him through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's so interesting how God can work in the lives of young people. Yes. When I was young, I was born in Texas, but we lived in Rochester, New York for four and a half or so very formative years, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and a good bit of seventh grade. And, and I loved it up there. I had great friends, student body, you know, all the athletic stuff. You know, you yeah. played on the same ball teams from ever to ever. And, and then we moved to Lubbock, Texas. And it was entire culture shock because I knew absolutely nobody. This is in the early 70s where our hair was long in New York, but in Lubbock, no, no, no self-respecting fella had hair that long. They were dipping snuff and wearing cowboy boots, and I didn't even know what snuff and cowboy boots were. <laughs> and I can remember at church knowing that Jesus could be my friend. Yes. And I thought, okay, I don't know anybody in this town. I, don't, I came in the middle of the school year. I don't know anybody at this school. I can just I could go all day long till I got home and not speak to a soul yeah. if I didn't get called out in class. But Jesus would be my friend yeah. and he would meet that need that I had for companionship, someone to talk to, and I just remember I guess in a way it was like you with your dad. It just it was here is God can meet your needs. Well, and that's what I love about our heavenly Father is that he's willing to meet us where we are. And he'll come to where we are. It can be in pain. It can be where you're just running from God. And God is so gracious and he will pursue us just as he pursued you in Lubbock. And if God can pursue somebody in Lubbock, if somebody, <laughs> if somebody can pursue, Wait, no, if God can no, pursue somebody no. in Alexandria, Louisiana, <laughs> if God can pursue us in the environments we're in, God can pursue anybody anywhere. And that means there's hope for anyone on the planet. Amen. There is. Absolutely. Now, I did not check my watch when we started. And my problem is I will talk to you for five hours and people will get real upset when we video this. So, Brent, I need you to tell me how long we've been going. And 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's about what I would have guessed, but I didn't know. All right. So having gone 10 minutes, I've, I've spent our time on background. So we're going to have to move on. Here's my premise. I think that there are at least 
four important layers of fellowship. Now, fellowship is a churchy term. Let me use a a non-churchy term. There are four layers of relationships that are talked about in Scripture that really help inform our lives. And I've got my I, I got my stuff here. I'm gonna I'm gonna write them down as we go through them here, so that people have a chance to see them. But I want to talk about all four levels of relationship, and I hope that you will track these with me. Level number one. This is what I call a personal relationship with God. That's just. Me and God. You and God. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I sure do. I love that. I love that we were starting there. Well, we're going to get real practical in a little bit, but let's start with just this biblical idea. I know that Jesus went by himself out to face the temptations, filled with the Holy Spirit, but he didn't take his... Look, if I'm going to be tempted... I'd be I'd be wanting all my I'd be wanting my pastor with me. I'd be wanting my my other pastor. I'd be wanting my friends. I'd be wanting everybody to come with me. Let's go face this temptation together. Jesus went out because he was with God and he did it alone. Um, over and over in Scripture, we read about Jesus just taking time to go be alone with God. I'm going to put at least one of those scriptures up here. There, the, every synoptic gospel writer uh, talks about it. Um, I'll put up Luke 5.16, just so people can get an idea of what it is. It starts here with 5.15, to put it into context. It says that the report about Jesus... Now, Jesus has just healed a leper. He's healed someone with leprosy, which was not a disease that the doctors really had a cure for. And the report about Jesus doing this went abroad. It went out. And great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus, and that Greek word there, the gar there, is is a contrasting word. In contrast to that, Jesus would at times withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus over and over went and sought that personal time with God. Would you talk to us about that, please, Pastor? I would be honored to. You know, the fact that you can have a personal relationship with a creator of the universe is overwhelming. To think that you can have access to God the one who created you, when you think about 7.4 billion people on the planet, Mm. and we have access to the creator of the universe, that we can have a personal relationship with him. And, you know, this relationship, this partnership, this koinonia, this fellowship is so beautifully portrayed in the Trinity. And when you study God's word, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the doctrine of the Trinity is there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So you have this koinonia, you have this connection, this relationship, this participation in the Trinity. And God is making himself known to us, and God is allowing us to know him. So to think about, Mark, that that you were able to come into a relationship with Almighty God, that I was able as a child to come into relationship with God, that the fact that it's even possible to have a personal, intimate love relationship with God to me is just overwhelming. And what we know is it's the grace of God, is that God is gracing us with this invitation to invite us into this relationship, just like I get to spend time with you and connect with you, and I enjoy our friendship I get to enjoy my relationship with God. It is personal. It's not distant where I feel like, well, God is somewhere. Well, we know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. There's nowhere God is not. But God is also personal. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus. One of the things I love that you're reminding me of as you you talk is the, the very first story we have about people in the Bible is Adam and Eve, and God goes and walks in the garden 
and seeks them out. After they send, Adam's hiding because he's mm-hmm. he knows he's done something wrong. And God's, Adam, where are you? Mm-hmm. Of course, God knew where he was. That's what we call a rhetorical question. That's like in law school, they'd ask us questions when the pr- professor knew the answer. He, wa- he was asking us for our education. Socrates made, made that famous uh, historically. And so, you know, he's asking Adam for Adam to sit there and say, Oh yeah, right. I'm playing hide and seek with God. That's not a good thing. But 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 behind that story is not just a nugget of truth, a foundational truth that God made us because he wants to walk and talk with us. He wants that relationship. If we don't enjoy that relationship, we're missing out, aren't we? That's right. And what we'll do, and it's what I did as a child, is I tried to feel that God-shaped void in my life. I tried to fill that hole in my heart with everything else. We raced motocross, raced BMX, trying to find other things to satisfy that need in my life. And it was until I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ that that hole in my heart was filled. And what's so powerful about our Genesis passage is that God did pursue them. Uh, We're created for community. God made us for relationship. Mm And God has made that relationship available to us and possible. And so Adam and Eve had this unbroken, unhindered fellowship with God in paradise. And yet, the enemy came in, tempted them to to shortcut relationship. There's got to be a better way. And the enemy calls them to doubt God's best. Did God really say? And of course, Eve partook of the fruit, and then she was so generous and gracious, gave some to Adam, he partook. And then that is the fall <laughs> of man. We never can say no yeah, to the we women can never we say love. No. And so it, it was a bluebell moment. You just can't say no. Yeah. It was so good. And then they fall. But what I so love about the heart of God, that even in their fallen nature, as you demonstrated, they're trying to hide from God. God pursued them. And then, of course, he killed an animal to provide a blood sacrifice for that restoration, that reconciliation, because that's the heart of God. God is willing to do whatever it takes, Mark, to pursue you. You know, I love that because I love that passage where it talks about how Adam and Eve were embarrassed in front of God because they didn't have any clothes on. And, and you know, they're, and that was Adam's excuse for hiding. Uh, I, I didn't have time to get dressed, God. God's like, who told you you were naked? I mean, I made you. Come on now. But God sees their embarrassment as part of their sin. And he not only kills the animal, but he creates the garment to yes. cover them from that sacrifice. And boy, the whole future of humanity is kind of told in that, that, uh, that dialogue back and forth. All right, if I'm not careful, we're going to get... Get not get to some more, and I got to get moving. So, personal us with God, level number one. Let's go to level number two, a second level, and this one a lot of people don't even plug into necessarily. And I'm going to call this one on one, in the sense of not one to God, but one human right. to you know one person to another person. You got to have an a, a, an. A, accountability partner, a, a, a close friend. And, and so many passages of scripture talk about how iron sharpens iron, right. uh, talks about how um, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Um, talk to us about why it's important for everybody to have an intimate friend in God, in the Lord. Well, we definitely want to have that intimate friend in God, that, that intimate relationship with Christ. Um, he knows us better than anyone, and He loves us more than anyone. And though He knows us, He still loves us. So we want to have that close and intimate relationship with God. But God also created us for those horizontal relationships with other people to do life with somebody. Uh, we're made to be relational, to connect with other people on a deep level. And Mark, I remember meeting you 13 and a half years ago. Um, you and I have something that really knit our hearts together immediately, and that is we have a need for speed. And so you pick us up in your sports car, and we go out to dinner. Yeah. And you and I had this conviction. We, we don't condone speeding, but we believe in getting, getting to, to the, the speed, speed limit, limit as fast as you can. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> 
So we like acceleration. We like to feel yes. the blood in our head to go to the back of our head. It's an adrenaline rush. So the moment I met you and we sped off, it's the fastest a car has ever gone across the parking lot at Jamie Forrest Baptist Church. I knew we had a we had a kindred spirit. Yeah. Now, as we grew in our relationship, we recognized that our relationship grew deeper. And the way it grew deeper is that we were intentional to connect and to spend time together and to nurture that relationship. And God does not want us to live life with surfaced relationships only. Now, we're going to have surfaced relationships. When you and I traveled to New York, we were talking about transactional relationships. That's part of life. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a multitude of transactional relationships, but they won't sustain you. We want to go to that place where we're building around our lives what we call 2 a.m. friends. Mm-hmm. The deacon you mentioned, Dave Davenport, did his service on Monday. I think for me the most powerful part of the service was when I was able to quote reflections from Dave Davenport's 2 a.m. friends, one after the other. And Mark, it was such a demonstration of that God has created us to move beyond surface relationships, beyond transactional relationships, and to have deep, intimate connection with other people that you can do life with. Those 2 a.m. friends that you know that regardless of what's going on in your life, you can call them. You know they're going to love you. They're going to accept you. They'll come to your rescue, but they're also willing to speak into your life. They're willing to be a Barnabas, splash living water be an encouragement. They're willing to be appalled to, to really bring you up to a new level of living. They're willing to also be a Jethro to speak the truth and love to you. Well, it takes an intimate, personal relationship with the Lord to really understand that and then to have that kind of relationship with other people. You know, I, I was sitting in my chair in this library office a number of years ago. I don't remember how many. And I got a phone call. No, I got a text from you. When do you have time to talk? And I called you. I said, right now. And uh, you said, I want to come over and talk to you. And you told me some, some news, some information that, that nobody wants to hear. Um, it wasn't happy news. It wasn't joyful news. It, it, it was really a tough situation you were telling me about that that I needed to know about to try to figure out how and where and when to weigh in. And um, uh, the the proverb that came to me through all of that Mm -hmm. is so on point with what you're saying. And I want want our class Mm -hmm. and those watching to see these words. This is from the book of Proverbs, which is just some good information about wise living in the Lord. And this is the 27th chapter, the 6th verse. Look at this right here. Faithful are the wounds Mm. of a friend. Now, I took Proverbs in Hebrew class trying to learn how to translate these Proverbs. They're really hard to translate in Hebrew, by the way, Um, uh, at least for me. But, But I understood this to mean when you've got a friend who loves you enough to tell you the truth, even though it's going to hurt, that's a faithful friend. And those wounds are ones that, that I'd much rather have that wound from a faithful friend than I would have a kiss from an enemy right. who's going to put the knife in the yeah. back. Yeah. And, and that's the rest of that. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The yeah. enemy's not going to be honest with you. You're, you. You are a friend to me and to countless people probably, but you're honest. And so I asked myself this question because I want you all to know this. I want you to go out and find a friend. And if you don't have one, a one-on-one friend, then become one to someone else. That's the easiest way to find it. You become a friend like that, and then you'll find that you're with someone. But I made a list of a couple of things that I think are important in that kind of a friendship. So this is important for us if we're going to be good friends. It's uh, something you want in the friends you seek out. First of all, they need to walk with the Lord. You agree with that? I fully do. You know, that allows you to have what the Bible calls being same-souled. 
You know, when you think about Moses and Joshua, when you think about uh, you think about Ruth and Naomi, David and, and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, great example. When you think about uh, Paul and Silas in prison together, you think about Paul and Barnabas. You think about uh, uh, Paul and Timothy. You know, if you were to take the soul out of Paul, the soul out of Timothy, they were same soul. They were like their hearts were knit together. They were on common ground. And they were for each other. They valued each other. And so much of relationship is based on do you value the other person? Because relationships take sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be willing to make intentional deposits. And it's not always 50-50. You may serve the ball over the net, serve the ball over the net, serve the ball over the net. But you're willing to give and you make those intentional deposits. But Mark, what I so appreciate about you and Becky is... We don't see you as often as we would love to see you. Y'all have extraordinary busy lives. The Trammels are super busy. We both busy. We both are high capacity leaders. We lead large organizations. We have a full calendar, a full life. But what I appreciate about you is when we're together, uh, we go deep and we have what's called connection. And what we demonstrate is authentic community. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I so appreciate you sharing with the viewers uh, if you don't have a friend, you have to be a friend. And if you just wait at home and say, well, I, have, I don't have any friends, take the initiative. There are so many lonely people on the planet who would just love to have a friend. So take the initiative, open the door, send the text, make the call, invite them to have coffee. Just build that bridge and make those intentional deposits and watch how God will, re will reward that relationship. God has created us to do life together. And what I've learned in my journey with the Lord is we are truly better together. All right. I've got to move on, but i got to throw out a couple more ideas. I want you to tell me uh, yay or nay. And if you want to give me a little punctuation on each one, let's do it. They need to be trustworthy and able to keep confidence. Yes, without a doubt. You, you've got that. Now, you, you can't be a pastor and not be a successful pastor at truly leading God's people without knowing when to open your mouth and when to keep it to yourself. That is true. Um, they need to know, not just know God, but know the Word of God to be able to help turn to Scripture to give you that counsel and that advice. Yeah. Would you agree with me? I would agree. So, you know, you have worldly wisdom and then you have godly wisdom. And you were quoting from the book of Proverbs, which is godly wisdom made available to us. And so we want to know God's Word so that we can share God's Word. And God's Word is active. It's living. And so as I share God's Word with other people, and as I share God's Word with friends, it edifies us. It builds us up. It makes us more like Christ. All right. One last thing, and, and this may seem weird, and maybe I'm out of touch and not politically correct, but I believe this to be important, and I'm going to say it because... I want you to hear me say it. I really believe this to be important. If you're going to find that intimate that you share things with on this really deep level, I believe it needs to be someone of the same gender. I agree, yes. Uh, I don't think, you know, my wife, who is just an amazing woman, um, I, do, I would not feel comfortable with my wife if I said there is another woman out there that I'm sharing my most intimate thoughts with, that's just walking yes. into danger. Well, you agree? and what you're identifying is we're talking about koinonia, connection, a deep relationship with God, a deep relationship with other people. But you also, in relationships, need to respect or erect boundaries. And so you're identifying a boundary uh, that men... Iron sharpens iron with another man. Uh, ladies, iron sharpens iron with another lady. And so I appreciate that in this context, of course, you want to be vulnerable with, you want to be uh, teachable with, broken before, accountable to another godly person of your gender. Fantastic. All right, we've got to move on or we're going to run out of time. So let's go back. Let's talk about this third level of fellowship that the Bible gives us to help us live life better and in victory. And this is what I'm going to call small group fellowship. This is, you know, Jesus had his band of 12. Yes. This is uh, uh, Acts chapter 15 when the church is struggling with this issue of, of do we 
do people, you know, this is real early church, okay? This is real early church. And one of the first issues of the early church, the church was Jewish for the longest time. And, and then Gentiles, non-Jews, started becoming into the church and believers in Jesus. And the church was faced with this massive decision. That is this. Do you have to become a Jew before you can be a Christian? And this was a big deal. But the church didn't all get together in Jerusalem, the apostles, some of the, the, the missionaries, Paul and some others, and leaders within that church got together in a small group. They debated about it. They searched the scriptures. They prayed about it. And then they figured out what the Holy Spirit led them to do, and they wrote a letter. But it's that small group fellowship. And we have life groups at our church. Talk to us about small group fellowship, why it's important for humans to be in that, not one-on-one, not us alone with God in a silo, but in a small group. Why is that important? Well, the small group, and as you've identified, Jesus had a small group. He had a very intimate group, Peter, James, and John, his three, and then the disciples, the 12. Uh, Jesus did life with a small group, and uh, God has called us to do life with a small group, with people your age, your life stage, where you're growing together, you're doing life together. And the value of that small group is you can experience the authentic community we're talking about. And it's a great place to live out the one another's of Scripture. Mm. Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, uh, give to one another, bear one another's burdens. And you do that in that life group and that small group. Now, the small group, that's the group of people you're doing life with, you're growing with, you're studying God's Word with, you share prayer requests with, you pray for. And whenever a need arises in your life, that's the group that's coming to your rescue. That's the group that's going to walk with you when you go through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, Janet's in the room here with us, and I remember when her husband passed away and just how, Mark, your life group surrounded her with love and ministry and care. The Dave Davenport passed away last week. We mentioned him, one of our deacons, and just how his life group class, the Faith Encouragers class, just wrapped around the Davenport family. Well, they were intentional to be connected to a life group, a small group, where you could live out those one another's. And really, it's where you're known, loved, and cared for. Mm. And it's where you can know, love, and care for other people. I've got to tell you, our daughter Gracie and son-in-law JT and grandbaby John Henry Thee the Fourth, a.k.a. Quattro, a.k.a. Juan Enrique, a.k.a. all sorts of names, um, they live in Boca, uh, Raton, Florida, and uh, they are in a small group. Now, they're in a big church. They each have an individual relationship with God. They've got one-on-one intimate friends, but they are in a small group, and I can't tell you how many times I'm on the phone with them. They say, our small group's doing this this week. It's so cool because all of our kids are growing up and going through the same thing, or Gracie, Uh, somebody in my small group found out we were in trouble on this and they just came over in the afternoon and brought us exactly what we needed. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's just amazing how, I mean, this changes. God doesn't tell you to do this because he's overburdening you. He tells you that this is something he's giving you to help you do life with joy and success. Fair? Well, we're made for relationship, as we said. And there's something about doing life with people especially people who love the Lord and who've got your back, who want to walk with you, who want what's best for you. And what I love about the small group experience is we invite other people into the journey. And so there's room for others. All right, last form, and then we've got to get to our fourth point before we run out of time. So last one is, you've got personal relationship, you with God in a silo, if you will. You've got one-on-one with another person. So this is a vertical relationship, you and God. This is a one-on-one relationship. This is a small band. This is a bunch of people kind of cobwebbing together relationship. And then you've got large church, for lack of a better word. Now that may be 100 people. It may be 50 people. It may be, in our case, 13,000 people. But you've got large church fellowship. This is... 
in Acts chapter 2, the first day of the church, uh, you've got 3,000 people added to the Lord. In one day, 3,000 people, 3,000 Jews in Jerusalem. And it says that they continued in the apostles' teaching and breaking of bread, communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever you call it. Uh, they continued in prayer and in fellowship. Right. That relationship. You got 3,000 there. I, I am concerned about this, and let me tell you why I really want to talk about it for a few minutes. Um, for the last six months, we've been having to tell people out of concern for their safety, don't come, don't come, don't come. And we've tried to make church available on the Internet. And we're teaching this class on the Internet, though hopefully in a week or two we'll be back in, in class and still going on the Internet, but we'll be back at the building. Um, and now we're moving back to that phase of reopening up the church. I know that uh, Becky and I were there Sunday, heard you preach, uh, just a great job on your sermon out of James chapter 2. Thank you for that, blessing us with that. But, but I, I, I was sitting there thinking as I looked out, and I thought, you know, people may be forming a habit of watching this on the computer, and that's just not going to do it. There's something that happens and a reason God tells us. You know, I'm out there, even though I'm a little bit social distanced, right. there's still a mass. I mean, everybody who comes together carrying in the Holy Spirit and we get all in the same room. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's transformational. Yes. It's not something, I can watch your sermons. I've watched your sermons on TV. But there's a difference. And I know that there's a difference when you're preaching. Yes. When you've mm -hmm. got folks out there and you can see if they're paying attention. You can see which points are landing. You can see which points aren't. You can see, I mean, it will make you a better preacher if we're there at church. But even beyond that, the blessing of being in that big assembly, I see why God tells us to do that. Yes. Talk to us about it. Well, let's look it up together. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Hebrews. And I want us to look at this verse of Scripture that really helps us understand the value... I'll bet you're going to 1025. ...of gathering. Let's go to 1025. All right. 1024 and 25. And I'll read it, ESV. And let us consider... And we're going to let you highlight it. Let us consider how to stir up one another. And I love that phrase. That, that's a Houston rodeo term. It's spur <laughs> one another on. Yeah. That makes me think of the rodeo. Yeah. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, here it is. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. There's our opportunity. Mm -hmm. Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So there is power in proximity. Power in proximity. Now you and I could have connected in, uh, via Zoom. Uh, we have a lot of connect moments via Zoom mm -hmm. going on in our, our world. But there's something about being here together physically. You know, before COVID, we were uh, an analog church. That is, we were a physical presence location kind of church. You came to our campus and we had a digital presence. Now we're, we are a digital church. <laughs> and two Sundays ago, we opened our doors on all of our campuses for in-person worship, inviting people to come back to the physical location to be physically present. So now uh, we're still an online church but now we're saying, let's have this analog, physical, real presence where you can see people and be together. Now, we do have a 50% capacity, not because of the government, but because of six-foot social distancing. And so you notice that in the room, we seat 4,000, but we didn't have, we can't allow 4,000 to come in right now. But there's something different about coming together physically. It's kind of like watching a ball game on the TV versus being there. Mm, now, whenever great. you worship together and we're encouraging one another, we're spurring one another on, and we're together worshiping God and exalting God, and we're expressing our personal relationship with Him 
and our value to each other as we worship Him. As you interviewed Brent Dyer last week and talking about the value of worship and corporate worship, um, it's something we get to do together. And there's values we exalt Christ together. And I am looking forward to our life groups regathering on the 13th. And you'll be teaching your class there on our campus at 930, then worship at 1045. But we want people to come back to church. You know, what has happened during COVID uh, to the human behavior is uh, Sunday morning. It's so easy to stay in your pajamas, eat your breakfast, and and watch Mark Lanier teach his life group class, the biblical literacy class, and then stay in your pajamas and, and then watch the service online. And so we've kind of become like a Netflix of churches. Mm-hmm. You just scroll through and pick the lesson you want to watch, the message you want to watch, the service you want to watch. Whereas used to church was like the movie theater. You got together, you got in your vehicle, you drove to the movie theater, you got your vehicle, went inside, smelled the popcorn, went to the movie theater and watched the movie. And church is kind of like that. Now online, it's just a Netflix of options. Who do you want to hear? Who do you want to watch? And so we're opening the doors to our campuses and saying there's value in being physically present. And there's power in that proximity. So we've opened the doors for in-person worship, and we're excited about that. I am too, and thank you for that word. I want to move to our third subject, but before I do, I want to say my final punctuation exclamation mark. Uh, on that. Um, I'm going to ask Brent Johnson, Pastor Brent, to put a link down below to a lesson I taught on singing two weeks ago. And I want you to click on it if you haven't seen that lesson before. Because I want to tell you something. If you are not attending a worship service and a part of a larger church, more than anything else, you stand in danger of auditing your faith. You just sit there and watch. And that is no basis of a relationship. You are a human being. And human beings, when they get together, have a power, a synergy, a a reaction that they don't have sitting at home watching something on the TV. And and they don't have, you will have something different in this fourth level. You will experience something different in this fourth level than you will ever experience in three, two, or one. That's why God gives it to you. Don't lose track of that. Come back to it. And that takes me to my third point that I want to talk to you about before we finish up. And I know we're almost out of time, but we've got a couple of important things to do. Um, If I didn't have a cardiologist telling me otherwise, I think I could live on Chick-fil-A. I think I could. I like the breakfast. I like the lunch. I like the dinner. I like the dessert. I could do it almost every day, taking a periodic time out for Mexican food. But the problem is that's not a balanced diet. My doctor tells me I'm supposed to eat vegetables, supposed to eat fruit, supposed to drink water, supposed to eat lean protein, and treats are forever now and then. And I'm not only supposed to have a balanced diet in my physical food, but I need a balanced diet in my spiritual food. I need all four of these levels if I'm going to be growing and balanced and able to take on life victoriously with God. So I want to talk and I want you to give us, I'm going to ask you very direct questions about how people can better balance their diet. I want to start with level one, personal. And I, I we got two minutes, but in two okay. minutes, what? How do I have a personal relationship with God? Okay. Well, I love that question because the reason that that question is so important is your personal love relationship with God will inform every other relationship. So let's start there. The beauty of this opportunity for you is that God has already done all the work for you to come into relationship with Him. As we said when we started out, the Creator of the universe loves you. He created you. 
Uh, he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God invites you into a love relationship with him through Jesus. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes me, that includes Mark, that includes you. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love where in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us and this, while we were yet sinners, we had nothing to offer. God allowed Jesus to die on the cross for us. And the greatest news of all is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raising from the dead, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And maybe you've heard of John 3.16. That's the whole Bible in one verse. For God so loved the world, in fact, for God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Mark, that truth became personal to me. I knew about Jesus. I'd studied about him. But I began a personal love relationship with him on March 28, 1979, when I was willing to turn from my sin and turn from myself and trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that relationship began. It was a divine transaction, and you can experience the same relationship by turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus alone, and you'll be saved. Then we have a responsibility to nurture that love relationship. It's just like a garden that needs to be tended. You've got to get the weeds out. You've got to fertilize it. You've got to water it. You nurture your love relationship with God. And what I love about our relationship with the Lord is we determine the level of intimacy. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So I can choose to live at a distance, or I can choose to live in intimacy with the Lord. And that's an abiding love relationship we learn about in John 15, 5, where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So it all starts with that love relationship with God. I love that. Uh, I... I frequently have people who ask me, how do I do that? How do I? And, and I think about Jesus saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I got to tell you, if you're sitting there saying, ah, I don't get all of this stuff. You know, that sounds like uh, church talk and I'm not really a churcher. That's okay. This is my suggestion to you. Simply in the quiet of where you are, say to God, God, I haven't talked to you like this before, but I know that I'm not good enough on my own to talk to you. But if you really do have forgiveness for me in Jesus, I'm claiming it right now, and I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to know you. God will honor that prayer. He'll absolutely honor it. And you shoot us an email. You contact us. And let us talk to you about it. We'd love to. And then beyond that, I try really hard daily to spend quiet time with God. We go to a lot of trouble to put a video thought for the day, just four or five minutes to get you thinking devotionally about God. Those links are all over YouTube. Biblical-literacy, thought for the day. You'll find it. Easy. Um, second, one-on-one -on -one relationship, you've talked to us about how to do that. Become a friend. So I'm going to set that aside. Small group fellowships. How does someone find a church if they're not, and, and the large one? How do people find a church? Well, you can just Google church and uh, anywhere in the world, and churches will pop up, opportunities. And our goal would be, of course, for our viewers to go to a local church where they can be with real people in proximity and to hear the Word of God taught, uh, to go to a life group class where you can do life with people your age and life stage, a smaller group. And so take the initiative. There are churches globally. There are churches locally, amazing churches. And while you're sh uh, searching for a church, stay connected to biblical literacy. Uh, let Mark mentor you. Let Mark pour into your life uh, as he pours into my life and our church family. But Google biblical church, Google Christian church, and that would be a great you. opportunity. Can I interrupt you? Absolutely. This is what you call a friend you can have confidence in. 
totally unplanned, unscripted, but I want to tell you something. You shoot us an email, info at biblical-literacy.org. The link's below. You shoot us an email and say, this is where I am in the world. Help me find a church, and I'll ask Pastor Stephen, because the odds are he not only knows a church, but he knows the pastor, and will help make an introduction. And we will get back to you anywhere on this globe Absolutely. with a recommendation. I'm confident my friend yes. would do that in a heartbeat. And I would be honored, be honored to. to. It. it would be an honor. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank you guys for watching this. Pastor Stephen, I try to bless the audience in the name of Jesus at the end of each of our classes, but would you do that for us today? I would be honored to. I do want to encourage everyone, if you haven't uh, read Mark's Torah for Living, it's just I would had my quiet time this morning reading God's Word, have the Torah for Living devotional Mark wrote, and this morning was on Numbers 6, 23 through 25, and, and the concept was that, and the Lord will put His name on you. Mm. And it was such a powerful concept that God is with you 24-7. He's for you. And I just love that. And that came out of reading Torah for a Living, that Mark had written. So that can be part of your, your daily entree. We'll send you a free copy. You don't have to pay for it. We're not out for the money. We're out for the ministry. Well, let me pray with you. Father, thank you for giving us this time to connect. And I want to praise you that you've made this relationship possible, that we can know you, that we can grow in our love relationship with you. And Lord, that you're going to sprinkle our path with godly people who live for you, who love you, and who will invest in our lives, who will help us grow in our love relationship with you. And Lord, also you're going to bring people into our path that we can be a blessing to and encouragement to. And I just pray for all of our viewers, God, that they will be drawn close to you or to help them to get connected to a local church where they can grow and nurture their love relationship with you with that one-on-one person to go deeper in relationship, to have authentic community with a small group and to be able to go to a worship venue where they can express their love and devotion to you with other believers, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it.